0: This has been canceled due to the weather, so I'm just going to record this early this morning and send it out to you, and uh, hopefully you enjoy your day at home all snuggled up under your blankets, sipping tea and watching Netflix. So uh, let me begin with a poem today concerning how we might pray. It goes like this, I asked for strength that I might achieve, he made me weak that I might obey. I asked for health that I might do great things. He gave me grace that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. He gave me poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. He gave me weakness that I might feel the need of God. Uh, I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. He gave me life that I might enjoy all things. I received nothing I had asked for. He gave me all that I hoped for. So let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this morning. And we ask simply this morning that your desires would be our desires. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. This is a quick prayer, wasn't it? Um, This is our last sermon in Colossians. Next week, Don Woods will be speaking to us. Uh, Kim and I are going to be out of touch, uh, out of reach, canoeing and camping uh, with the allig- alligators and pythons and manatees and dolphins for about 60 miles in the uh, Florida Ever- Everglades. So pray we don't get eaten or lost, which could be a very real possibility, the lost part at least. But um, today, if you want to turn to in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 4, uh, if you've taken a pew Bible home, it's on page 806. Um, and by the way, you're welcome to do that. Take Bibles from here and give them away. We don't care. We've got tons of them. Um, But it begins like this in verse two, because we went through verse one last week. It says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Now, remember, Paul's in jail and uh, think about what he's praying in jail. Right. You know, he wraps up this whole book with this simple call to prayer, to be devoted and watchful and thankful. And he mentions over 100 people that he's partnered with in the gospel throughout the New Testament letters that he wrote, and the book of Acts as well. And one of the, the greatest preachers and evangelists who ever lived needed the church to pray for him, didn't he? And there is humility in that if you think about it, right? Um, his prayer wasn't about him or his blessing. Rather, it was about Jesus and the kingdom call on his life, the children of God sort of petitioning their heavenly father to move on behalf of others to open the doors for the gospel to go through. And Paul relies on God moving through the prayers of his people, asking for this door to be opened. And what goes through the door? Well, he tells us very plainly, it's the message and mystery of Christ. You know, writing from prison along with his friend Aristarchus, Paul's a man who's given all for this mystery of Jesus, <coughs> enduring a great deal for gospel advancement. So I want you to hear from his own mouth exactly what he's endured as he's forced into this argument with critics in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He's not out to brag as you'll see from his language in the beginning, but he's forced to do so in a way because of the arguments some are bringing against him. So he says this, what anyone else dares to boast about, I am speaking as a fool, he says, like he doesn't want to talk like this. I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. Sorry for laughing, but for goodness sakes, right? It continues, he says, I have been in danger on rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak that I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? So I must bo- if I must boast, I will boast of the things that, that show my weakness, he says. Now, <laughs> think about it. Is that the successful life of peace and wealth and, you know, and personal fulfillment and happiness that we're all seeking in the American dream? Right? I mean, good question. Would you go to school, get a master's degree, spend time and money and, and effort to, to pursue a career only to be impoverished and beaten and left for dead and to live in constant risk for the sake of Jesus? You see, from a worldly point of view, this is a guy who should have given up on prayer a long time ago, right? Right? It didn't seem to do him much good. Prayer didn't seem to bring him the good life as we define the good life. But that's not what Paul sought, is it? Not at all. If Paul were alive today, if he was a modern American, he would not pursue the American dream as we do. So he calls these Colossians to pray, and a prayer that he's talking about isn't prayer like the one from our poem at the beginning of the sermon, which is so often the case for people. Paul's focus in life isn't on himself, it's on Jesus' desires and Jesus' commands over his life and over the church. And often our prayers are focused on our desires, as if God's some sort of a golden retriever that we've trained to go get us a beer so that we don't have to get up and miss one moment of the Super Bowl later today. John Piper defines prayer this way, and I really like it. He says, prayer isn't designed as an intercom between us and God to serve the domestic comforts of the saints. It's designed as a walkie-talkie for spiritual battlefields. It's the link between active soldiers and their command headquarters with its unlimited firepower, uh, air cover, and strategic wisdom. Now, are battlefields comfortable places? Obviously not. You you get shot and beaten up on a battlefield, don't you? You know, Paul doesn't seem to put much focus on himself at all. His interests uh, coincide with those of his battlefield commander, and that is Jesus. If Paul's desire is to get out of jail at all, it's only to risk it all again that he may continue to advance this mystery of Christ through, the, through new open doors. And we see these open doors all throughout his ministry. In Acts 14, 27, Paul reports to the church at Antioch that a door was opened. And it, sa- it says there, on arriving there, they, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had, been, had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Sec, in uh, 1 Corinthians 16:8 and 9, Paul tells of a door which had been opened, which is extremely fruitful but also fairly difficult. He says, "But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost, because a great door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me." In 2 Corinthians 2:12, 2, Paul tells of another door opened for him. He says, "Now when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, I found that the Lord had, Lord had opened a door for me." So Paul's modeled a prayerful, devoted life, proclaiming the mystery of Christ wherever he goes. And if anyone has the right to tell us to pray devotedly and watchfully and thankfully for these open doors for the gospel, he does. Prayers, constant and consistent and wakeful and aware of what actually needs intercession, what actually needs prayer, right? thankful prayers because if we are focused on christ's kingdom and and these and opening these doors for the gospel for all of us to to move through with with the words of and the message of jesus we can't be help but to be thankful for what jesus has done in our lives you know my wife uh, led me to a few stories in the january 2021 issue of voice of the martyrs it's a missionary magazine that tells stories about, uh, you know, people finding Christ and ministering in in foreign countries and things like that. But um, one one story is of a young Muslim convert to Christ. He came to Christ a number of years ago. His name was Bassam. He's in some Arab country someplace, and he's been growing in Christ for years, but he's never shared his faith, right? Because it's very, very dangerous to do so, and he's just never done it. And he finally went to his spiritual mentor one day and he said, you know, I've been spiritually asleep all these years and I can no longer keep my faith in Christ to myself. I feel very strongly and compelled to share Christ, the one true God, with anybody I can. And of course, when that happens, we start with the people closest to us. So he began with his family. His wife didn't take kindly to it. She promptly disowned him, took his daughters away, and proceeded to petition his boss and his co-workers to punish him. He, she used the courts to get all of his income directed straight to her. Her brothers began to beat him daily, to the point of putting him in the hospital quite a few times. Long story short, over the years, he led many people to faith, including some of his own family members, including his daughters. And he continues today, thankfully sharing his faith every single day, knowing that each day might be his last. Despite all the discomfort that that brings him, he does it with a joyous heart. You know, Paul knows where true joy and satisfaction lie, which is in serving Jesus, despite all the discomforts of life or or persecution. Prayers of the saints are effective especially when they are focused on the business of Jesus and not on our personal comfort. Let me tell you a story of answered prayer in this vein. Shortly after Dallas Theological Seminary opened up in 1924, they were on they were on the verge of bankruptcy and the and the, actually they were going to be they were bankrupted and they were the bank was going to foreclose on them. Uh, on a particular day. And so the leadership that morning gathered and started to pray. Henry Ironside was there, and he prayed this. He said, Lord, we know that the cattle on a thousand hills are yours. Please sell some and give us the money. (laughs) Right? And while they were still praying... A tall Texan walked into their business office and he said, I just sold two carloads of of cattle in Fort Worth, Texas, and I've been trying to make a business deal work, but it won't go through. But I feel God is compelling me to give you this check. I don't know if you need it, but here it is. And he gave him the check. Saved the whole college, the seminary. So apparently God not only answers prayers, but sometimes he has a sense of humor in doing so, doesn't he? (laughs) I love that story. But anyway... The the point is that God seemed to want the the doors of Dallas Theological Seminary to remain open for the gospel to go and advance in the world. Countless numbers of people have been prepared through that institution to go out and advance the kingdom of God over the years. And that wasn't a selfish, make-me-feel-better prayer that Henry Ironside prayed. That was a prayer which concerned the greater purposes of Jesus and his kingdom. So what would happen if all of our wakeful, watchful, thankful prayers were set to those heights all the time instead of just on our personal comfort or feelings? The last time I preached at my former church, it was on this passage. And I asked them at, t- at that time for prayer as I set out to plant this church because we needed it. Now notice here, Paul doesn't just ask for himself. But he also asked for his companions that work alongside of him. So at that time, I also asked for prayer for, for uh, my church plant team, you know, going out with me. Prayer for doors to open in our geographical area for the message of the gospel to walk through. That we would proclaim the gospel as clearly as we should. And that, and that they would pray uh, Colossians 4, 5 and 6, you know, verses 5 and 6 over our team And also over themselves as well. Five and six say this. Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Uh, I lost my place. (laughs) Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace. Seasoned with salt. So that you may know how to answer everyone. Aren't those great verses? You know, it is hard to dismiss gracious, salt-filled words. They are tasty. They last They give flavor to life. They're not bitter. They're not rotten. They bring life to us, right? You know, there are other stories in that magazine that I told you about earlier um, that tell of how the Holy Spirit gave the words to his people as they were in the hot moment with somebody that was opposing them and cooled that anger so that the gospel could be preached boldly. It's, it, you know, it's really cool how God gives us the words when we need them. It's encouraging, and I wish I could read all the stories to you this morning. But I would like you today to take a few moments, after you hit uh, stop on this sermon, I would like you to drop to your knees. And, I, you know, if you can, if you physically can, it is a good posture to be on your knees sometimes. Drop to your knees And ask God to open doors of ministry for this church. Ask God to open doors of ministry for all the churches in the area. That the gospel would advance and go forward in our ministry to this community and out into the world. Please, I I really do ask you. We were going to take a few minutes during the service live today to do that. But we're obviously not here together. So... Do that at home after the the sermon is finished. But continuing on and just wrapping this up, in verses 7 through 18, which I won't read this morning, Paul lists no no less than 12 people and a few house churches that are in partnership with him right here. You know, and as we, we wrap up our service, let's remember all the people which make up the church over the centuries. Let's remember, no one person does the work of the gospel alone. We are a body of Christ, right? Paul's comforted and he receives ministry from his brothers and sisters over this time in, you know, that, that, that walk with them, they've, they've walked with him through all kinds of ups and downs. Some people have been kind of disappointing at times, a few of them. Others have been faithful and encouraging the whole time. In verse 7, he mentions uh, Tychicus who we see in Acts chapter 20, verse 4. He's the envoy of Paul carrying the Ephesian letter to its various places. You know, most likely he represented the church in Asia to carry the offering to the poor there. And, you know, a, a traveling companion of Paul's, an encouragement of Paul's, who served others when most men just wanted to be served. Then in verse 9, we have Onesimus, whom Paul calls a faithful and dear brother. You know, one of them, right? Right? Now, remember that Onesimus images what we've been talking about for the past few weeks, that a slave is equal to their master or anyone else, for that matter, in Christ. It's because Onesimus was the runaway slave of Philemon who would eventually would return to him. He made his way to Rome somehow. He found Paul. Some believe that he, uh, Paul led him to faith and then returned him in full standing to Philemon. And Onesimus... Uh, uh, here is introduced not as a slave, but as a dear brother. His status has changed in Christ. And, and, and his, the outlook of others towards him has changed as well. And then you have Aristarchus in verse 10, whom we also see in Acts chapter 20. He's faithful. He didn't run away when things got hard. He was there when the riot broke out in Ephesus in the temple of Diana, and he was uh, grabbed by the mob that day, and there, he's there with Paul when they set sail for Rome in Acts chapter 27 with Paul as a prisoner on that ship, and it's believed that he may have even enrolled himself as Paul's slave in order to make that trip with him, and now he's here in Rome in prison with Paul. Then we have Mark in verse 10, the author of the gospel, the guy Paul and Barnabas fought over in the second missionary journey, and And, you know, at that time, disappointed Paul. And he reveals to us that community is difficult, as we've been saying. But 12 years after that incident, Mark is mentioned by Paul a couple of times. And even in 2 Timothy, he says that Mark's very helpful to him in ministry. So it's a reconciled relationship. They got through it, right? They worked through it. And Paul goes to great lengths here to erase any past problems and have the Colossians receive him with open arms. Then we have verse eleven. We have justice. We don't really know much about him other than he was a great comfort. And then in verse twelve we have Epaphras, who we've been, who, who may have been um, the overseer and minister in Colossa and Hierapolis and Laodicea. Another man who's taught and marked by a servant's heart towards others. We saw him teaching, I think, in chapter one verse seven. And then we have Luke in verse fourteen, the doctor who gave so much. Uh, gave up so much of a lucrative lifestyle to minister alongside Paul and was with him to the very end. We see that in 2 Timothy 4.11. And then we have Demas, also in verse uh, 14, who in Philemon, uh, verse 24, was listed as one of Paul's fellow workers, but now he's simply called Demas, who later on in 2 Timothy 4.10 becomes Demas, who loved the world too much and deserted Paul. A study in the fact that the community of faith, the the church, doesn't always experience good things. Some people do fall away. Some people come and go, right? And he mentions others, and but we get the picture, right? There's stuff going on. People are encouraging. Sometimes it's disappointing. You know, I've always wondered as a young Christian why God would put these lists of names of people like this at, at the ends of these letters. It seems so normal, right? But now that I see it, I, I see it, it gives us a glimpse to, into the life of the body of the church, how it works. It makes it down to earth and real. We have names and histories and personal stories of people in the early church. You know, I could write letters like this and mention your names in it. You are also my friends walking alongside me and enduring hardship with me for the sake of the kingdom on the eastern main line. You know, when I ended my sermon 12 plus years ago, I invited the church plant team to come forward and a small group of people, you know, sort of committed to walking together for the sake of the gospel uh, on the Eastern Main Line and people who came to that church for a, for a time and now, now they were leaving together to go out and to do kingdom work as a new body in Christ. And altogether, there were about 40 people involved in that endeavor like 30 to 40 people I'm not really sure how many and that church that other church along with their new senior pastor took the time that evening to pray for us and I want you to think about where we are right now now for over 12 years we've ministered the gospel to thousands of people a hundred at a time not even just in this area but in Syria in Lebanon in Indonesia and places like that Right, so you may think that this is a small church, you know especially during covid not not everybody coming back to live services yet we we get that, but you may look at it and think oh that 's a small church, but its historical footprint is huge. We have pastored thousands of people a hundred at a time over the years you know it 's good that we end on this passage today, given you should have gotten an email from me about twenty one days of fasting and prayer for the Vineyard National. Restructuring and discerning who our next national director is going to be, and that starts tomorrow and it goes through February 28th. And I would urge you to click on that link in the in the email that I sent and uh, go to the Vineyard USA website, or you can just go to vineyardusa.org, I think it is, and look for the 21 days of fasting and prayer banner and click on that, and you'll get you'll get information. There are downloads for you to participate in it and things like that. Uh, like a fasting booklet and there there will be prayer points daily going out that you can sign up for or you know whatever so you get you get the point but i would urge you to be a part of that but add to that leadership here at six eight is also formulating plans for our future there's a growing desire in our crowd to up our game in this community in the area of evangelism we are considering certain moves to enable that to happen and we have made many already You know, so pray for your leadership, pray for national leadership, pray for local leadership that we discern the spirits lead really well during this time. You know, I began with that poem revealing what we usually kind of pray for. But what if we prayed for the things which actually really matter to God's heart, right? That we would be willing to endure all things for the sake of Christ in this world, in order to see his kingdom break through at greater levels in the lives of people around us and across the world. Maybe that would get more done. Maybe that would be much more adventurous and exciting. Maybe that would please God's heart. As a true spiritual act of worship to seek his will in all things, I think it would. So let me just... Uh, ask you to bow your heads right now and I want to pray a prayer that's on page 12 of Voice of the Martyrs this month's issue or last month's issue uh, that I thought was appropriate to end with today it says this let me pray it for us Lord Jesus thank you for our persecuted Christian brothers and sisters who faithfully stand as a witness of your grace no matter the cost When they are beaten and delivered to courts, may they gain confidence through your presence in all situations. As they stand before any opponent, whether family members or former friends or government authorities, replace their anxiety with peace, love, and faith. When they face slander and allegations and legal charges, may they speak boldly and lovingly and truthfully with wisdom give us or give our bold and faithful persecuted brothers and sisters courage and endurance as they recall your promises that your fo- followers will face persecution thank you for their sacrifice thank you for their faithfulness and we join them in joyful praise to the name above all names your name Jesus Christ our lord amen amen to that uh Show up next week or tune in online. Uh, Dawn Woods is going to be speaking to us. I have no idea on what. Trusted minister of the gospel herself. Uh, she's a great lady, and you're going to really enjoy her. Uh, pray that we don't get lost. I'm, I'm really kind of concerned that we might get lost out there in the Everglades, but I'll have to wrestle a python or something. So God bless you guys. Love you, and I'll see you in a week.